You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to go round the league with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback, and preview Monday Night Football between the Minnesota Vikings and Chicago Bears. And Brian, let's kick off the podcast today with Andy Benoit of Sports Illustrated. Andy, thanks so much for taking the time. So the Chiefs clearly have had an impressive run, last undefeated team in all of football. Do you view them as the most complete team on both sides of the ball, even without Eric Berry, other key injuries as Travis Kelsey entered the concussion protocol last night? Um, yeah, yeah, you want to see everybody be healthy, of course. I think when you factor in scheme, then you could make a very good case that Kansas City is the most complete team in the NFL. They are exceptionally well put together and well coached on both sides of the ball. And what they do with their misdirection on offense and how they leverage their playmakers, even when Kelsey and especially Tyree Kill, when those guys aren't touching the ball, they're still making dramatic impact snap after snap. That is an incredibly well-designed offense. Alex Smith has been in it for a few years now, and we're seeing what happens when a smart veteran QB plays in a a well-designed, continuously evolving offense. He's gotten better than ever. Andy, speaking of injuries, Brian just mentioned um, the Minnesota Vikings in that game being played uh, tonight against the Chicago Bears. Of course, Dalvin Cook is no longer in the mix for the year because of ACL. ACL, excuse me. And then, what about Sam Bradford? Do you think he'll have an opportunity to step on the field tonight? I, I sure hope so. I mean, he, he, Sam Bradford's a better player than people realize. And coaches around the league. I know there was one quarterback coach I've asked, and I said, "Who's the?" We were talking footwork and the details of it. And I said, "Who's the best you've ever coached?" And he said, "Sam Bradford." Uh, Bradford, from a mechanical standpoint, is highly regarded around the NFL and why that's important. Minnesota, we just talked about how good Kansas City looked in terms of design. Minnesota has looked great at times. Now, not every single week, but some of the stuff they've done with their route combinations and the way they get digs and feeling open by design and crisscrossing, or as they call it in the business, switch releases, where they're intersecting their route designs that's a really hard offense to play against. And Bradford, when you put a mechanically sound quarterback like that, who's willing to play from the pocket and willing to take what the defense gives them, that's a great combination to have. I, I, I thought they did fine with Yates in there. He did a nice job. But the more you see him a backup, the less you like what you're seeing. And they're going to get, hopefully, Bradford back. And when they do, they're going to be a hard offense to deal with, even without Dalvin Cook. Taking you around the league with Andy Benoit from the MMQB. Andy, I'm based here in L.A., so maybe I'm too close to the Rams and digesting all of their local content. But I was believing in this team, and I don't want to overreact to what we saw yesterday too much, but five turnovers in an opportunity to make a statement against a divisional rival. Do you think some of us have been too quick to proclaim the Rams are going to be a playoff club, even though you know they had many chances to win that game yesterday? Yeah, they, they did. And they've always matched up well with Seattle. I, I don't I don't know about playoffs or, or not. I you know, it's funny, we're talking about we touched on Kansas City, Minnesota, 
and now Los Angeles, to me, those have been the three most interesting offenses in the league this year because of how they're being designed. And what Sean McVay has done with Jared Goff is extremely impressive. He has he, McVay runs a complex offense that he finds ways to still simplify things for the quarterback, and that's what they've done with Goff. Now, Goff is young. That offensive line is okay. They have some other young players, and they're putting a lot on people's plates. So they're going to have some ups and downs. Yesterday we saw some of the downs. Uh, turnovers, you have, you, you have to look at those closer on the film and see what really happened. But I think this is the Rams that we've seen. What we've seen is legit. They're a three and two type of team. They overachieve at times, they underachieve at other times. It's all part of their growing process. Let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, you watched them play, especially yesterday. Um, and defensively throughout the year. I mean, Calais Campbell being an addition to this team has really made this front four uh, with Malik Jackson be as about as good as it can actually be. Um, you see Jalen Ramsey, because of that pressure, being able to to help create the turnovers. Is is the Jacksonville Jaguars as good as they seem in spurts, especially now that this running game is getting to, getting to working with uh, Lennon Fournette? Tom Coughlin, of course, brought that in. Or is yep. it the Pittsburgh Steelers are really that bad and struggling right now? I think it's, uh, as, as always, it's probably a little bit of both. I'm, I'm in the early parts of the Steelers-Jags film here today, actually, as we speak. Uh, I haven't seen everything, but I've seen every other snap all season long with both these teams. And Jacksonville, whenever you're a running-based team and they are as run-oriented as it gets, you have a thin margin for error because the running game keeps the score artificially close at times. So they really have to win with playmaking on defense. And they did that yesterday. I don't know if you get that every week. But what you can like about Jacksonville is they're talented, but they're talented in the right ways. They have a very specific scheme. It's that old Seahawks-style scheme. Their corners are lanky guys, athletic, lanky guys that can win one-on-one on the perimeter. And then you mentioned Calais Campbell, and, and what he's been for a number of years now is one of the best stunt pass rushers in the league. Picking off uh, blockers, looping around blockers, designer pass rush tactics out of your four-man pass rush. And that's what that defense, which Gus Bradley installed, he's not there now, it's Todd Wash running it. That's what they're all about, is, is pressuring with four, and Calais Campbell's an extremely good four-down schemed pass rusher. So they have a lot of talent and, and, and speed at linebacker as well. It's the, ty- it's the right type of talent for how they want to play, and generally that's going to lead to continued success. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with Andy Benoit of the MMQB. Andy, the Browns, one win in a season and change with Hugh Jackson, trading down repeatedly as they try to maximize their draft possibilities. In the process, though, they passed on the opportunity to take both Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. Does something need to change within the organization during the season? Uh, I don't think so. We knew it would be a long process. And, and watching, I've seen every one of those games on film over the last year and a quarter now, and not once have I felt like I'm looking at a team that's an embarrassment and that's not a competitive team. I don't feel like I'm looking at a great team, of course, but that's a professional team that's in the early stages of a, a massive rebuilding effort, and it's painful. And there have been times where they've played well enough to win and they haven't. Uh, right now they're very inconsistent offensively. That's to be expected with a rookie quarterback and especially given what they're asking him to do. They're, they're, they're not scaling stuff back very much for Deshaun Kaiser and you get the downs and ups with that and there's been more downs and ups so far and I think that's all to be expected. So 
it's a long-term plan. You have to stay the course. But always remember, guys, those draft picks, and you can accumulate all that you want. Your draft picks are only as good as the players they turn into. Andy, when you talk about teams that are that are rebuilding, uh, you mentioned rebuilding. Uh, tell me about the Giants. I mean, you have Odell Beckham was broke his ankle. Uh, you have Shepard who has a sprained ankle, and you have also, also Marshall with a sprained ankle. And this team right now is 0-5. Something I haven't seen from the Giants since I've been living, uh, unless I missed it one week, one year when I wasn't watching it. Uh, but it's pretty bad in, in, in with, when it comes down to the New York football Giants. What direction do they go from here? Well, there's only one direction to go from here for this season for them. Uh, the question is, can how quickly can they get there? How quickly can they get up? I think the, the conversation in New York will shift. This will be from media and fans to, is it time to replace Eli Manning? Let's build for next year. And to me, I would really, really ride the brakes on that kind of sentiment. I think there's still 11 games left, and these are professional athletes, and if you lose your next 11 versus you win six of them, that impacts how you feel going into next year. That impacts everything you're trying to do and build. You take those receivers out of that lineup, you're not going to win very many games because that system is predicated on receivers winning on slant patterns and flat routes, one-on-one type of things or built-in type of things. Um, they need receivers who can win in order for that system to work. And when the receivers don't win, and we saw this when Beckham was out of the lineup the first two weeks of the year, and we've seen it sporadically all the other weeks, then the offensive line gets exposed because the timing gets thrown off and they really don't have an offensive line that's built to win late in the down the way like a team like the Packers, for example, have. So it's a bad year. There's no doubt about that. And it might get worse before it gets better because of what they have injury-wise. I don't think it's by any means a team that needs to hit the reset button. They've got some things to clean up. They were issues last year as well, and they won 11 games despite these issues. Um, so Giants fans, don't panic. And, you know, enjoy the year best you can, I guess. <laughs> and think about what you can achieve in the draft. Andy, last one for me. I enjoy reading your work because you break down the tape and provide thoughtful analysis. When you watch Carson Wentz, What do you like the most about his game? He was spectacular again yesterday. Four touchdown passes in the win over Arizona. Yeah, what I love about Wentz is he has this ability to extend the play without breaking down the play. It's the same thing I loved about Andrew Luck when he was healthy a few years ago. Uh, Extending the play from the pocket or when he moves around, and he's a much better mover than we we think about. I mean, he he is a good athlete out there. There's always eyes downfield. He has the arm strength to attack at the deeper, intermediate levels of the field, including when he's on the move. So, so often these mobile QBs, and Wentz is not a pure mobile QB, but guys that have that ability, it's either or. They're going to run around or they're going to be a quarterback, but they're not going to be both for you at the same time. Wentz will continue to be a quarterback for the duration of the down. He's always a threat to throw. And uh, their, their play designs, they, they just last longer. And it's no surprise. We've seen Philadelphia, they did a lot of three-step timing designs last year. They've done a lot more five- and seven-step now. They're becoming a more of a downfield offense. Andy, we appreciate the insights. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes today here on the NFL on TuneIn. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Gold, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. 
from week one to week 17. Jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern only on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on today's top stories with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. DJ, I need your help here. And perhaps I have foreshadowed this observation coming off the top 100 players of 2017 on NFL Network when I told you and Cordell Aaron Rodgers is the best player in football. Let me try another tactic here. Tom Brady is the most accomplished quarterback in our league in history. Five Super Bowl rings. Would you buy my argument? Aaron Rodgers is playing the best football of any quarterback over the last, say, three years. Man, that's a that's a that's a pretty tough argument. Uh, obviously, with Brady in the last few years having won a Super Bowl, Rodgers hasn't won one. I think it's what been since when was that time? One eleven, twelve, something like that. Uh, Long time ago. Before. Long, <laughs> but you know the, the the way I look at it, especially when you talk about guys who've done it for multiple years, and then you get to who's the best or who's playing at a higher level. I think it all comes down to what happened in the game versus Dallas. Is if you got both of these guys with the football in their hand with a minute to go in the game, who would you rather have? And both those guys are guys that that put a lot of fear in you. Uh, but right now. Uh, I would probably say Brady is still on top soon because of he has the, the Super Bowl and he's done it most recently and been to that ultimate level, uh, the Super Bowl right now. And Rodgers is a dangerous guy. We all know he, he's done it. He's, you know, he wows you and everything he does. But uh, at the end of the day, when, you're, when it's over and done with, people are going to talk about Super Bowls and all that kind of stuff. And right now, Brady has that edge. The conversation really went like this, okay? Yesterday after the great win... <laughs> All right, DJ. And, of course, I go on the first and goal show with he and Nick Ferguson last night. And explain that's a seven-hour show with no commercials. So seven-hour show. So that's, his, ex- Sundays, so that's right? his excuse now. So he gets – he goes, oh, my God, he's the greatest I've ever done it, Cornell. And, you know, I have to slow him down a little bit because we all become prisoner of the moments when a great moment does come about, which was a great game by the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, arguably one of the best when it comes to closing moments and being able to elude pressure to make those plays. Now, I had this conversation. It went from being the greatest of all time to just the greatest at this moment. Now, he added a little more when he asked you. And I basically said, even right now, this year alone, I said, you got to throw Alex Smith in that conversation just this year alone. Because what he's done so, so far with the strength of schedule, start off with New England, Philly, Los Angeles Chargers, Washington and Houston, and then Aaron Rodgers had Seattle, Atlanta, Cincy, Chicago, and Dallas. Now, when you look at their numbers, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions, one on the ground for Alex Smith, 13 touchdowns, three interceptions, and none on the ground for Aaron Rodgers. And this team in the, in, in the Kansas City Chiefs is undefeated. So... Of course, you lend yourself to, obviously, Aaron Rodgers because of his body of work. But if you're going off of just this year alone, Aaron Rodgers is not at the top of the food chain by himself. You have to think about Alex Smith, regardless of what we know of him over the past few years. Yeah, and Cordell, I even go a step further with everything you said, which which was good. But I say he came into this year when they drafted a guy number 10, and you come in to the season thinking, well, this may be my last possible chance to be a – 
big time starter at a, a you know at this place and he's responded loudly with yeah I still got it and to have that type of pressure on your hands Rodgers knows he's a guy Brady knows he's a guy they haven't brought anybody in to replace those guys they've tried over the years with Brady uh, but now you drop a guy number ten overall and you're basically telling him listen you probably got one one and a half maybe two years at the most to be the guy here but we got somebody who we think is better and. To have that type of pressure, to have everybody talking about Patrick Mahomes, and he comes in and he just takes care of the business like a true professional. And uh, I thought the, the the greatest stat you have there is zero picks. I mean, to have zero picks with the, the type of defenses he's played against and the type of pressure he's been under to make play, to say, all right, you got to throw the ball down the field. We brought a guy in here, Patrick Mahomes, who can throw it down the field. And he's done that. He hasn't been the dink and dunk guy that we've known of Alex Smith over the years. He's been a guy that stretched the field, and he's playing at a, a big-time level too. So I, I think that's a, that's a good call. And if you think about what's clicking for Kansas City, other than the fumble on their first play from scrimmage on the road, Thursday night football kicking off the season at New England when Kareem Hunt lost it, they have not had a turnover since. Amazing ball security. Taking yep. you around the league with our good friend DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. DJ Cam Newton, better than 350 passing yards, three touchdowns yesterday on the road in Detroit. After what we've seen the last two weeks, is it fair to say that Cam is back? I would say so. I mean, this looks like the guy that won MVP a couple of years ago. And to watch what Cam is doing now, especially what happened all last week, all the, the controversy and distraction that were around him, and to come out and put together another performance like that, it speaks volumes of where Cam is and where he's developing. And I think when we first came into the season, those first two or three games, he looked like a guy that was rusty. He looked like a guy that maybe he was starting to lose a little bit here and there. Or is it the shoulder? Is it all the stuff that's happening in offseason form that's really set him behind? But now – the last two games, he looks like the franchise guy that Carolina has been used to seeing for many, many years, and he's making so many guys around him play better. I mean, they're finding ways to get McCaffrey the football. They're still running this ball hard with, with Jonathan Stewart. Uh, you see big tight end yesterday making plays for him, over, uh, digging over 175 yards. I mean, they're getting everybody involved, and then you add that defense to it. This is becoming a Carolina team that's starting to look like the team that went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And that's a, a dangerous, dangerous thing uh, coming into the rest of this season. But I think a good game is, on, is coming on Thursday with Denver Philly, who's Philly's on a, a high road to as well. No one's talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think, enough uh, because maybe the jury is still out on them. But you're starting to see a steady trend of this team being able to be extremely physical up front on both sides of the football, particularly on offense. You see what they're doing with the young kid in Leonard Fournette. I mean, he's playing really physical, making the statement during the preseason that the National Football League running game and how physical they are, it's not as physical as it is in the SEC. And think of this defense. Give you a stat real quick. Has not only allowed, let me see, they've only allowed one touchdown in the first half all season, and they picked Ben Roethlisberger off five times and had two taken back to the house. How real do you think this Jacksonville Jaguars team is? Well, anytime you have a defense that's putting up numbers like that, they give you a chance to win. And I think people are still a little reserved about the Jacksonville Jaguars because of the quarterback who's been there, you know, a few years and Bortles hasn't been the guy that everybody looks to and says, all right, he's the guy that can get us going. But having a run game, having Leonard Fournette to be able to bring that physical nature to him. I was reading some maybe today or yesterday, and his teammates love his style of running. They love his style of play. 
And when you have a guy like that, he, you know, kind of brings the, 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 the amp up for everybody on the entire team. But defensively, when you're not allowing people to score points, when you're turning the football over, when you're winning the turnover about every week, you're going to have a chance to win the ball game. And now they have a legit running game to go along with a tough physical defense. That's the recipe for wins. Good defense and run the football, you're going to be a majority of every game that you're in. So Jacksonville is a team that I think people are starting to, to really catch a hold of and say, all right, this is a team that, you know, you can't look at them like the old Jacksonville Jaguars, the 2-3 win. And I've been picking Jacksonville every year the last decade, so maybe, finally, <laughs> I might be accurate. DJ, great information as always. As we say goodbye, how about this observation? <laughs> Aaron Rodgers has the best beard among starting quarterbacks in all of football. He's trying to win some kind of way, BJ. I need he's, a consolation prize. Hey. I hear you be well, man. Thank you. Hey, find a way, baby. Find a way. I got you. Keep trying and trying and trying. Thank you, DJ. We'll chat with you next Monday. Be good, right, DJ. Fella, be good. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. The passion. 25, first down, 15-10, 5-3-2-1. The fury. Inhaled in the backfield. Sacked for the Huskies. The speed. Here's a home run ball. He's out there. He catches it. The best in college football from coast to coast. Touchdown, Notre Dame. 13-0 Buckeyes. To the goal line. Touchdown, Texas. Ball's on the carpet. Georgia says we have it. He's in. Touchdown, this is the Nissan College Football Blitz. Listen on Saturdays this fall on College Sports Now on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for my partner to let loose as we find out who Cordell wants to metaphorically slash. Cordell Stewart earned the nickname of Slash for his sensational versatility on the field, playing quarterback and wide receiver at a very high level. But that moniker also brings another dimension, a competitive edge that won't settle for losing. So if your favorite team is underachieving, Cordell is ready to present solutions. Buckle up your chin strap because a coaching staff and some key players are about to get slashed. So it was bad enough Roethlisberger was a disaster. Five interceptions, a pair of pick sixes. Things got even more convoluted after the game when he addressed the media. I'm not playing well enough. Why is that? Maybe I don't have it anymore. Ben, does, does doubt ever creep in? Nope. It's not a, if anybody in this room uh, has, ever has that doubt, they probably aren't here. You know what I'm saying? Like, just professional athletes shouldn't have doubt. Cordell, you are more intellectual than I. Was Ben Roethlisberger being self-aware? Was he doubting himself, even though he said he wasn't? Or was he being sarcastic? I think a combination of all of it. Uh, just probably not taking the moment as serious as he needs to. Let's just say that. When you say that uh, he's not good enough and ask him about his confidence and or any doubt, mainly he said, nope, he's not losing any doubt. And if you have any you shouldn't be in there or you're not there. You have to send the right message after having a performance like that. And you talk about a distraction. Uh, you talk about not saying the right things or doing the right thing. Um, I think he's won enough games in Pittsburgh to be able to handle that situation just a little bit better. And it's amazing how last week it was it was pointing the finger at, at Antonio Brown and, and saying how he didn't handle things well. I don't think he handled that well. You know, and, and, and I hope the people in Pittsburgh feel the same way, to be honest with you. Here's, here it is. You have a team that came into your town. Um, and, and, and after everything that happened last week and 
and, and saying, come talk to me and all these different things that he was saying. He wasn't throwing him under the bus. And then he gets here and, and responds to this, this question, uh, which was basically, you know, how does he see his performance uh, yesterday? And, and in responding by saying he's just not good enough. I mean, I don't care what he said after that. To say that at that moment, you know, you, you, if, if, he's, if he's joking, and I think all of us know he is, it's not a time to play and joke around. This is a serious situation here. You throw five interceptions, you target Antonio Brown, look like to me uh, a few more times in, 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 in moments and times in the game where you shouldn't have thrown the ball because of double coverages. Uh, there were tight windows, uh, and you tried to fit it in those tight windows, and you wonder if he was doing it to try to make it work. Oh, yeah, he was targeted, what, 10 times for 150-something yards. But it equated into an L. Now, does that mean you don't throw the ball to Antonio Brown? No. It just means you don't have five turnovers. Two especially for touchdowns. Let alone the touchdowns that were actually scored on those certain drives by the offense uh, for this team. I mean, you see a Leonard Fournette defense pretty much contained as much as they possibly could. Held until the very last moment of the game where we saw Leonard Fournette, what, rush up like a 90-yard touchdown that took him over the 100-yard plateau. He was right there. I mean, they, they had him under control. They had him contained. And here it is. He breaks off a, a big run. And that was the question I had for you uh, and for us, really, on our show last week, which was, I wonder how this defense is going to show up against this physical style of football that this team actually possesses on weekends. We've seen what they're able to do. We've seen how they've traveled to, traveled to London and brought that same philosophy to the Baltimore Ravens. We saw what they did against the Houston Texans. The pressure that's brought up front by the front four of this team. This is a team to be reckoned with. And you know what? They're first in their division right now. How about that? Cash me outside. How about they? The Jacksonville Jaguars is at the top of the list. And what did they end up doing? They embarrassed the Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday. And, that, and the key to it is, to this is, for me, is this is why you play the game. You can't assume you're going to win, which I don't think they did. I don't think they went in there with, you know, their nose up in the air thinking they could just run through the Jacksonville Jaguars because maybe what they've done may not look real. This is what I've said about the Jacksonville Jaguars from day one when I knew Tom Coughlin was there and I saw they grab their first pick with Leonard Fournette. Is they're about to bring the physicality back to that city which in the time in which Tom Coughlin was the head coach, Natron mean business, and Fred Taylor was getting it done between the tackles. And that's what they are forcing right now when it comes down to playing football. Matter of fact, let's just be transparent. The football we saw from Jacksonville yesterday on offense, Blake, Blake Bortles, don't screw it up, is run the football well. Be physical. Get to the line of scrimmage and impose your will in the trenches and make it work and have a do-or-die mentality in trying to will yourself and to make it happen. And they did that. Beat the Steelers pretty bad yesterday, by the way. What was it, 30-9? to When was the last time we saw a loss like that by the Steelers uh, to any team, let alone other than the last year against the Philadelphia Eagles early in the year, but within the AFC, let alone the Jacksonville Jaguars? So Ben, I have to slash Ben today because of his attitude and his approach about the game yesterday, regardless of how he comes back to try to fix it. I don't think too many people are happy uh, with that statement. And some may say, well, he came back and he said, he, come on, you just went off on last week on Antonio Brown. So for me, this needs to be corrected uh, quickly. By whom? Uh, how does it get fixed? 
Well, I mean, it, it has to be one for me where guys just need to start shutting up and just doing their job. Stop whining and step up to the plate. And stop making it seem like you're doing the head coach's job or the GM's job or even the, the owner's job. Just do your job and be great at it. When you have all, everybody's mouth on Antonio Brown and how he conducted himself, you had a head coach come back and say he was wide open. Uh, offensive coordinator Todd Haley said he was wide open. But then we have all these other mouths that's on the team as well as outside of the organization that was a former player on the team saying that, well, you know, he wasn't open. Antonio Brown was wrong. No. Let the head coach be the one to respond to that. And that's the only mouth in my mind when it comes to your team uh, that's going in the direction that the Steelers are going. Everybody has something to say about everything. Going back to last year and Mike Tomlin's approach of being physical in practice. Come out and say, well, I think we're being too physical in practice. To all of a sudden mentioning he don't know for sure if he's coming back next season to getting in April, the month of April, and saying that he don't know for sure if he's coming back when his OTA time, don't know for sure if he's still coming back. And now here it is, he wants to be sarcastic and thinking it's funny after, one, going off on Antonio Brown last week, now sits himself in front of the media and, and, and give the, whether it be a, a entitled or, or, or even a prima donna mentality of, oh, I'm not just not good enough. Come on, man. Come on. We need if, if, if there's a leader in that locker room, please stand up and just get it done. Let's get back to playing football because all these conversations from everyone is driving me nuts. Only one message needs to be coming out of Pittsburgh, and that's from Mike Tomlin. That's it. No one else. Players, you just talk about doing your job. Coach Mike Tomlin, he is the only man that's supposed to send the message, and right now it's not being done that way. It's not because it's not Mike Tomlin that's not giving the message. It's just everyone else feel like they're entitled to do what they want to do. And, and to me, that, that, that's the start of – in my opinion, things going bad. So now they want to put point fingers at Todd Haley, and then it's going to be Coach Tomlin not doing his job, and you know now Ben's the leader, but yet he comes back and says he's not playing good enough, or you know he's not losing hope. And I mean, it's just a hope. Last week we need to blame Antonio Brown because it's it's a bad attitude. It can it you know temper tantrum. It can be bad for the team. Really, he just lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Five turnovers. Get it together and get ready for next week. Is it fair to wonder, by his own admission, based on what he said, albeit in the emotional aftermath of losing the AFC Championship game, when Ben Roethlisberger went on the radio in Pittsburgh and would not commit to playing the upcoming season, and then came back to OTAs and training camp and said, well, I have some doubt about my future because I want to spend time with my children. I'm committed to this year, but I can't tell you I'm going to play out the remainder of my contract. Cordell, is it fair to wonder, does he still have the same passion for football that he had at the start of his career? It's all about commitment. And if your commitment is about you and not the team, it's going to show its ugly face. And to me right now, for Ben Roethlisberger, it's showing its ugly face. Too much has been about him and not this football team. Fix the turnovers, fix the attitude, and I think everything else will come. But as of right now, it's all about Ben. Oh, I, I, I'm the leader of this team. I, you know, I, we try to get him together, and I don't want to throw him under the bus. It's temper tantrums. But then he throws five interceptions. Yeah, I'm just not good enough. But then all of a sudden come back and say, when the media asks, what about hope? Oh, you know, I'm not losing any hope. If you, if you don't have any hope or confidence, you don't need to – come on, man. Come on. It's not a time to play. It's not it's – not, this is not elite quarterback-like conversations. You would never hear – if anything, you may hear Aaron Rodgers when times are tough – not necessarily because he's not playing good, but when everybody wants to get rid of Ted Thompson, everybody wants to get rid of Mike McCarthy, 
He comes back and say, you know, everybody needs to need to relax. R E L A X, relax and take a shot of scotch, and everything's gonna be okay. And what does he do? He comes back and run on, go on a tear, and takes them to the NFC Championship game. If you're gonna have that approach, that's the approach you need to have, and have that type of uh, making a difference approach, as opposed to. And he didn't make that about himself. He made it about what everyone else needs to do and so that we can continue to do what we're doing because it is what it is for us and we got, just got to go play football. That's what I heard from Aaron Rodgers last year. When it comes down to Tom Brady losing players, you know, we just have to get better. Next man up, he has to be prepared to do his job. Plain and simple. It's not about feeling like you have to justify being a leader or justify why things are the way they are and you're not throwing someone in the bus but you're steadily pushing them closer closer under the, all, all four tires and if it's a bus what a two four six eight ten ten tires it's a lot of tires you know and, and and you know at the end of the day i think that was good that it happened this way because it will force everyone to shut their mouths and get to work because that's what they need to do to earn their pay all the money that's being given to them just keep your mouth closed. Antonio Brown apologized last year. And you know what? The good thing for me with Antonio Brown last week is he did apologize. And you know what? I didn't feel like he had to, to be honest with you. He didn't have to come out and do that. But I thought, you know, he did. He did come out and do it. He did come out and do it. But all this stuff about it, he's just A-B, he's just A-B. And other guys are mentioning, you know, he's putting on the front. And, you know, he's just doing that for the contract. He's always been a team player, regardless if he is about himself. He's a wide receiver. Tell me which receiver you've known that hadn't been about themselves. Especially when they're producing. It's not like he's not producing. He's producing. Keep your mouth closed, guys. Get to work. That's what it's all about. Nothing else. Get to work. There's only one voice should be heard. They're in Pittsburgh. The head coach, Mike Tomlin. And that's it. Back to you. One more footnote. When we're talking about Ben Roethlisberger being so candid with his assessment of Antonio Brown's antics last week. I floated my observation that Roethlisberger knows this is his last season and now he's going to be vocal and he's going to be outspoken. And I think we got a glimpse into that yesterday, Cordell. I think he was telling the truth. And now the question is, do they make at least one more run to a Super Bowl, whether it's this year or he comes back next year with Ben Roethlisberger? What do you think? Does he have have at least one more Super Bowl trip within him? He should, yeah. I mean, all the, all the talent he has around him. Why not? Offensive line is healthy. Receiving core is healthy. Uh, running backs are healthy. They're three and two right now, first in their division. They're fine. There's nothing to cry with spilt milk about other than the attitudes. That's it. Other than that, they're right where they want to be. Well, they have the best big three in football, right? If you're talking quarterback, playmaking, wide receiver, and running back. Receiving core. You can just go receiving core right, with Martavis Bryant and Juju J- Jesse James. And Martavis Bryant, right. You throw all that. Put Very all that in the mix. Team. Yeah, I mean, they arguably have, I would say, the best tandem based on what we saw last year and with the expectations you having this year, knowing that you have Martavis Bryant back in the mix. You're really positioning yourself – to have some form of success, um, I would say, when everybody's healthy and everybody's back in the mix, and they are. And so for me, um, it more or less boils down to um, when are they going to start executing? And play football and cut the drama out and win that division because that was a nice win for Baltimore yesterday on the road. But you have to assign an asterisk next to it because Oakland was led by E.J. Manuel. I think Pittsburgh's going to be fine. They're going to the playoffs. We'll see what they can achieve when they get Most there. Most definitely. 
All right, Monday edition, NFL No Huddle on the NFL on TuneIn. Before we say goodbye, top of the hour, get you fully lined up for Monday Night Football. You're going to hear it on TuneIn Premium. Some key storylines to track tonight. Mitchell Trubisky making his starting debut for Chicago. Divisional matchup against Minnesota, highlighted by the return of Sam Bradford. We'll pick the game coming up in a few minutes. Let's talk about Miami. Mm. There's a lot to unpack. How about that? And I made an editorial decision to wait until the end of the program to address what's going on. Obviously, we've all seen the video. Mm -hmm. Chris Forrester needs help. Hopefully, he's going to get it. O-line coach. This is a football show. I think people know who he is by now. What is wrong with Jay Cutler? Less than 100 passing yards. It's my job to watch all the games on Sunday, and I cherish the opportunity. On first and goal, it's the best show in all of sports radio. In addition to what you and I do together here, different show because of the live listenings. Cordell, that game between Tennessee and Miami set the National Football League back by 20 years. That was a tough watch yesterday. Still Miami won. How much confidence do you have that Jay Cutler can jumpstart what has been statistically a hideous year? Man, I, you know, to go 12 of 26, touchdown INT, I mean, it just, I think it's time to give Matt Moore an opportunity. Plain and simple. I know Coach Adam Gaze came in and gave him a one-year, $10 million deal coming out of the booth. I mean, there was a reason why he was going in the booth, if you watch how he plays. Um, luckily for, for a play by Rashad Jones, who got the, the scoop and score touchdown after Matt Castle got hit pretty hard and the ball came out, and he was alert enough to actually pick the ball up and actually take it into the end zone, not knowing for sure what the referees were going to say, he ended up scoring a touchdown on that one particular play, which allowed them, I think, to, to pretty much go ahead and, and stay up in this game. Um, of course, there were a couple turnovers. We had one by uh, DeMarco Murray. He had a turnover in this game, which gave the ball back to, uh, to the Dolphins. But for me, Jay Cutler, I, you know – it sounded great because he knew the system. Yeah, uh, it, it seemed like it was um, just by what we know of Adam Gaze and Jay Cutler being together. It was the closest thing to maybe having success after Ryan Tannehill went down, um, but not remembering the injuries that Jay Cutler sustained and the time being out of the game last a year prior uh, there uh, in Chicago and and then having. Uh, Brian Hoyer actually went in and uh, played for him. He looks like he's either out of shape, not trying to get in shape, not sure, timing is off, um, a little laxed. You know, look, he's, he's talking too much. Instead of just playing a game, he's got too many explanations taking place for him. I think you give Matt Moore a chance. Plain and simple. Matt Moore knows his team very well. He came in and filled in well for Ryan Tannehill last year. I know they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the postseason, uh, but they played against a better team on a freezing cold day, uh, something that that team is not acclimated to doing. Plain and simple, they're just not. Is an excuse. I'm making one for them, um, if that's what you want to call an excuse, but it's factual. Uh, not too many teams that come from that part of the country, especially down in Miami, when it's still 70 to 80 degrees, going up to Pittsburgh when it's every bit of 40 to 30, 30 plus, what, below 40 degrees and snowing in the postseason and playing. Matt Moore, I thought, did a good job in filling in for Ryan Tannehill. So, and he took a massive hit in that game. Remember that? Yeah, he got and he took a massive hit. He got obliterated and yes. stay in the game. So I understand what yeah. you're saying, and I think a lot of Miami fans would support that move, but – 
That's not going to happen, right? Because Adam Gase is not going to acknowledge he made a mistake. Plus, it shouldn't matter, but we always talk about straight cash. Show me. They're paying Cutler $10 million guaranteed. They want return yeah. on the investment. Yeah, they want return on investment, but I don't think you do it in, in, you know, in, in, in sacrificing a team's true goals, which are winning. And if that's the, that's the true definition of winning, uh, what we see with Jay Cutler, you almost have no choice but to give Matt Moore at some point in time an opportunity because you're not getting nothing from him, Jay Cutler. You're not getting any scrambling. Matt Moore will give you a scramble or two here and there. He, might, he, he may be able to allow you to call some bootlegs to at least make the presence of that position to be one that's somewhat of a threat, even if it's scrambling for four to five yards. At least you keep the down a distance ahead You know when it comes down to maybe approaching the running game with this offensive line. Um, but to, to just sit on this one because you gave him $10 million bucks, I think you're doing yourself an injustice as a football team when it comes to Miami. Uh, and along with other things that they're now not having a chance to have in place. Uh, you're talking about their, their O-line coach. Uh, when it comes down to Chris Forrester, I mean, he's not no longer going to be at. So what, what adjustments are you going to make up front? Who are you going to have to fill in for that, for that issue uh, for, of, of, of a coach and, and him not being there? So you're, you're dealing with a multitude of issues, truthfully, because it starts up front in the trenches. He's not there, so who's going to coach that? Adam Gates? Doubt it. Running backs coach? Hmm. And then you have Jay Cutler as a quarterback who can't make any plays with his feet just because that's never been his makeup. So now what do you do? You, 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 you depend on the gunslinging mentality, which was the same thing he did in Chicago. Okay, but let's talk about the play calling. Because as I mentioned, I've watched a lot of that Tennessee-Miami game. Cordell, I know that the idea would be let's maintain the momentum of Jay Ajayi after he was a top five running back last year. Well, he does not have the same kind of spark this year. He lost a fumble yesterday, too. They have some quality weapons. Jarvis Landry is a good playmaker. They're not taking any shots down the field, and that's Adam Gase. He's calling the plays, so if we're going to dole out responsibility, I think we have to look at the head coach as well. Yeah, you do, but but that that's my thing, and when it comes down to bringing in Matt Moore, that's the guy that has to make the decision, and he needs to pull the trigger figuratively soon, because if not, they're, they're going to tank. I mean, they're, they're not going to make it you know, very long in, 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 in this um in this world that they're living in right now. They just won't because it's, it's that division right now with, with Buffalo playing the way they're playing, with the Jets playing the way they're playing. Let's just be realistic My Jets. here. Remember I told you they were yeah, going to have oh, a now surprisingly again, good start huh? yeah, this year. Right, my man. So <laughs> you, you, geez, Louise. So now you have the Jets playing the way they are. Here it is, Miami. They, they don't know which end is up because the quarter, to me, the quarterback play is just so horrendous. It's just so bad. It's not even fun. It's not even cool to be that bad right now. What is his team record right now, Brian? What are they, 2-2? They and are 2-2, two? Two and, two and they're going to Atlanta, and the Falcons are coming off a bye. How do you think that's going to play out? Oh, it won't look good. You think Jay Cutler was on heels or or you thought he was complaining? Wait till this weekend. <laughs> Wait till they get a load of this one. This team is fresh and ready to go. You better believe Coach Quinn is going to have that defense getting after Jay Cutler on every single level. Stop Jay Ajayi, play man coverage. Zone blitz and just hit the quarterback as much as you possibly can. So, yeah, they come to Atlanta and uh, they're, they're going to play with Jay Cutler as a start quarterback and it's not going to work. So, for me, I just – this whole entire organization and this week is going to be a tough one for them. Knowing that they have Atlanta coming up next, uh, knowing the issues they have with their offensive line coach, um, to the play calling, as you alluded to a moment ago, and also Jay Cutler – 
and what he's bringing to the table. I mean, average day at best. I mean, yes, he threw he threw a nice touchdown to Jarvis Landry uh, on like a pick route, so to speak, right there in, inside the five-yard line. I uh, threw a touchdown, but also there were a lot of things that you look at this game and you say to yourself, they, they, it looks like there's more can be given from this position, whether it's play calling, whether it's his ability just in general, uh, making the throws. You know, you just need to get someone back there to me that's a little bit more alert, a little bit more aware and capable to make plays when needed. Plain and simple. Back to you. Cutler, less than 100 passing yards, albeit in the victory the two weeks before that. Miami almost got shut out by the Jets. In fairness, it's a better Jet team than we forecasted. Six points there. They were shut out in London by the Saints. Saints coming up with their first shutout defensively since 2012. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. One, two, three. Let's go. Playlists and hit songs picked out for you by your favorite social influencers right here on Herdwell Radio. Hit music. Let's go. From lit jams to sleepy time songs, we'll play the best music that you need to know. Check out our specially curated playlists like the hashtag What's Trending Hour or our Chart Toppers Mix. Keep the party going with our weekend brunch mixes or our nightly hype mix. No matter what time of day, Herdwell Radio's got you covered. You bring the party, we got the music. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for Cordell and I to go on the record with what we are more than sure is going to happen on Monday Night Football. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. Let's start by hearing from the number two overall pick in the draft. Chicago moved up a slot to take him. Mitchell Trubisky coming out of North Carolina says he's ready for the challenge of Monday Night Football. I feel like I'm ready. Obviously, we got a whole week of preparation uh, to get ready for Monday night. Uh, I'm excited. I'm just going to take it day by day and, and just prepare as hard as I possibly can to, uh, for every single look. My job is to get the ball to the playmakers and just be a distributor and just manage the offense and do the best I can. As for the Vikings, their head coach Mike Zimmer saying all the right things about the Bears being a tough opponent. we got a tough division game this week, Monday night football, and uh, Chicago really is a good team. They're ninth best defense in the league. They play very strong, got an excellent running game, good receivers, good tight ends, so it'll be a good test for us. Here's his quarterback, Sam Bradford, on coming back from his latest knee issue. I feel good. Um, at this point, you're going to have to play through some discomfort. And, you, know, you know, the goal is just to be able to go out there and you know feel comfortable moving around and to be able to play and knowing that you know I am going to have to play through some discomfort. Cordell, your expectations for Mitchell Trubisky making his starting debut in primetime tonight? I'm looking forward to it being really good. To be honest with you. Um, I think what he has in the backfield when it comes down to Jordan Howard and what he's been able to do on this on this team, carrying the ball 63 times for 252 yards, giving this offense four TDs, lets you know he's a big part of it and he's been productive. Uh, that's to say the least when it comes down to being one of the playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. But I think they'll complement one another well. Um, based on what we saw, the jury that's out there on, on Mitchell Drabisky, it's being able to move the pocket, something Mike Glennon wasn't able to do when in. Uh, I think this is going to help this offensive line. Uh, I think that's been plagued with not being able to protect the quarterback in the pocket well enough. 
Uh, and, and that's not because of injuries. That's not be, It's just because they're not capable of getting it done at this moment in time, especially when you hold the ball as long as Mike Glennon has. So um, I think now with Mitchell Trubisky, it's going to force the defense, especially up front of the Minnesota Vikings, to somewhat hold it maybe a half account and, and be aware off the edge when the ball is, is potentially being handed off away from uh, the defensive end to the back of Mitchell Trubisky, he's going to have to hold account just a little bit to see if he carries out the bootleg, and then that may give the back and Howard an opportunity to maybe through the zone running techniques cut back just a little bit if it freezes that outside linebacker or defensive end. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Mitchell Trubisky move around a little bit in the pocket to make the game a little bit more interesting on the offensive side of the football. 30 seconds to go. You go first. Who wins tonight? What's the final score? This is a good one um, because you know how I feel about the Minnesota Vikings. But they're playing in Chicago. I'm going with the Bears with Mitchell wow. Trubisky. I think he brings the energy to the table to force this defense to play good. Offensively, I think they're going to be awake. They're going to be excited. And I think because right now Case Keenum and not having Sam Bradford back yet, on the road in Chicago, I go with the Bears. Okay, I'll go the other way. I'll take the Vikings. We'll talk about it tomorrow with Peter King, MMQB. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.